If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Stellaris, Planetfall, Gladius, Driftland, Aggressors, and so much more. Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. It's good to be here. How are you tonight? I'm doing okay. How about yourself? I've uh, been kind of a busy week for me. I don't see that letting up anytime soon either. So uh, it, it's kind of nice to be here to talk about games for a little bit. Yeah, I get away from uh, reality. Yeah. So um, I'd like to also welcome Mark. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Hi, guys. How you doing? Hanging in there, hanging in there. So you'll be covering a couple of news items tonight, yeah? Yeah, I'm going to dive into the new, um, the first Back. dev diary we've had since, um, geez, I don't know, before, I guess the spring on Stellaris 2.2. And mm-hmm. I'll cover a little bit of my thoughts on uh, Fallout 76 and the decision not to go to Steam. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, that should be interesting. should be very interesting to hear what you have to say. All right, so I think uh, I'm ready to start. What about you, Troy? Are we ready yeah, for let's this? let's do it. All right, so the first news item this week is going to be about Gala Collider. So as a reminder, Gala Collider is a card-based 4X, but it will not have randomized decks. So the the buy-in price is going to be very, very specific. You're going to know what you're going to be getting. It's not going to be like magic cards where you're just buying more and more, hoping to get that one rare or ultra rare or something like that or any other deck builder game. And they're so so it's a 4x, but it's using cards. So that's definitely a very interesting mechanic, in my opinion. And uh, we had him on on an interview a long time ago, and we probably should do it again. It would be interesting to see what has changed since then. And this week, they're talking about what's you know the status of the game. So they're reporting that the majority of the game is at a 90% build level or completion for most of the game and now they're starting to dial in the specific mechanics based on their alpha feedback and ready I, I believe to go into beta to a larger audience and um on to- so that's one aspect so they're kind of dialing it in but another thing is they're working on the tooltips and that's very important for 4x games especially that have so much information a game that has good tooltips really helps you because it doesn't you don't have to you know pause your game and go read up on stuff because if it's right there in front of you at least for me it helps especially on new games or when i'm learning something different or trying to improve my gameplay so anyways so one of the major changes they're making is they're reducing the resources they're simplifying they're um 
not even simplifying, they're streamlining it because what they're doing is so the prior they had resources broken down into three areas. They had materials, research, and energy, and they're reducing it to one. Now, on the one hand, that makes perfect sense because you're playing this game to fight, you know, to engage, to conquer. So being hyper-focused on every little thing maybe is not the right thing. But on the other hand, it might be too simple, so it's really hard to say. I think this is based on community feedback. So I'm, I, I guess with the next stage of testing, they're going to decide if they're going to go back to that or stay with this or do something else altogether. The, another major change they're doing is how they are how ships engage with planets. So prior in a prior build, you needed to have ships that had bombard modules, so basically become you know, bombers or bombardiers or anything like that, and like, you know, attack planets, but now any ship can do it. And that kind of makes sense. If you're in orbit and you don't have, I, I don't know, you maybe you don't have bombs, you can still fire on a planet and do damage to structures and people and, you know, whatever's going on on the planet. It's just maybe you're not as efficient. So maybe somebody that has a module will be better at it. So, that's you know that remains to be seen that has you know that has to come back from feedback so one of our guys was playing it but then he um recently went on by recently i mean a couple maybe two months ago went on leave and just real life kind of stuff so we'll i'll have to see maybe somebody else will pick it up but we'll, we'll have a review for it when the time is right and um yeah so that that's another change and something else that they're doing so um each commander comes from a particular place from a core world and if your uh, core world is reduced to nothing basically you lose and this is this is the equivalent if you play magic the gathering this is the equivalent of the health points of the summoner or the caster so if you, you because you can have attacks that are attacking the ships or you know your summoned creatures or whatever you know whatever you're pulling out of your deck and you can have attacks that are attacking the deck controller so if that per, if that you know stars or hit points or however you want to call it if that goes down you lose and they're adopting this mechanic as well, and they're also talking about um, what's what's coming up and they're going to continue polishing it they're going to continue taking feedback they're going to keep working on it so I, I'm excited I mean 4x as you can as most 4x players will tell you has been a little bit stale of late so anything that shakes it up a little bit and try something new is a positive for me now will it work Uh, i don't know that remains to be seen you know that's up to you listeners and people that play 4x games to you know buy in and try it out so that's it for Galaclider. and uh okay so mark why don't you tell us about what you're going to talk about with stellaris Okay, so after a long-awaited break, uh, everybody knows that Sweden and Paradox pretty much shuts down for the summer months. They've come back with Dev Diary 120, which is going to do with a brand new econ- uh, the economy system. They're building a brand new system for Patch 2.2, which they've dubbed Le Guin after Ursula Le Guin, a uh, sci-fi author. Um, very light in details when it comes to raw mechanics because I still think that they're building the back end of this new economy system. So I'm just going to focus on um, exactly what we know or this dev diary has shown us versus the speculation that sometimes Martin Anward uh, puts forward and some of the teases that he does on his Twitter page. So basically, the old system, the tile system that we're also used to when it comes to Stellaris... Um, works on a two has two part system. One is hard coded and one is scripted. Now I am no developer by any means, but um, he was able to kind of explain it in layman's terms so that at least I can understand it. And basically, the hard coded system 
isn't even accessible to the devs. It's kind of like a, a, a built engine into the system. So even the developers, without reworking the entire system, weren't able to change certain parameters on it. And then the other half was scripted, which they could manipulate quite easily, um, and so could modders. So the dev diary kind of focuses on this entirely new system is going to be completely, for the most part, aside from a small amount that is going to be scripted, almost interchange, uh, almost 100% moddable and 100% scripted. Now, he kind of brought up an interesting fact, and I didn't know this, of course. Um, an example would be when you purchase or build a ship. In the old system, that ship had to cost minerals. Now, the amount of minerals could be was part of the script, so you could change that a little bit. You can say it costs 30 or 100 or 1,200, whatever the case may be. But it always had to cost minerals. And he kind of goes on by saying that by making it more scripted, you could actually change it up so that, let's say... A organic ship, if you're a hive mind or some type of hive being, could instead of costing minerals, your ship could actually cost you food. And its upkeep could be food. So the idea being is this whole rework of the economy system isn't so much just to add new resources like maybe we initially had thought, but instead to really give custom uh, that kind of um, faction or empire diversity that's kind of lacking in Stellaris right now where you can have an entire economy that's going to be pumping into creating a huge amount of food because that's what you're going to be using to build buildings and ships and really interesting dynamics that way. Um, I, which I thought was just, uh, I, I mean, any work of the economy system is going to be great because, Craig, frankly, I think it's one of the weaker parts of Stellaris in general. And um, he touched a little bit on advanced resources. We didn't get a lot of raw numbers, but we did get a chance to see that it looks like they're going to be adding in several different resources, as well as speculatively some trade, some special um, refined resources that you're going to be, um, you're going to have to kind of um, forge or create to build specific type of ships or items or high-end buildings. So it looks like it's getting a lot more depth. Um I'm hoping that it doesn't get too complicated because I'm looking at a screenshot right now as I'm speaking of the new UI and the layout at the top bar, and it looks like it's going to be pretty crowded. So I'm hoping that, although I'm, you know, that uh, this rework is going to be for the betterment of, you know, the players, but I hope it doesn't get so complicated to the point where, you know, you almost seem like you're going to be a little bit lost. So mm. that's pretty much mm. all they did for this dev diary. And like I said, he kind of, it does sound from reading this dev diary over again, um, that it uh, there's a lot of back-end stuff that hasn't been finalized yet, which makes me think that even though I'm excited to see how this new system is going to work, I'm still thinking that we're not looking at anything before maybe the end of fall for this thing to actually be launched. Hmm. So let me ask you a question. As a Stellaris player, do you feel that the economy needed this rework? Well, the tile system so basic, right? It's... Um, I mean, the economy's fine. It was always, to me, it was like the most average part of, of um, Stellaris. I mean, you had your tiles. It was very interesting when you had your first couple planets for two or three, you know, min-maxing and arranging and, and making, you know, your planets uh, very specific to a certain type of resource or, let's say, a you know, resource. Uh, it could be energy or minerals or anything like that. So any type of upgrade to the economy system is very much appreciated. Was it needed? Well, I don't know. I mean, I haven't had the new system. I'm a little gun shy because um, 2.0 launched uh, and has it's been very divisive uh, patch to the Stellaris players, right? So I'm a little gun shy. I'm kind of excited to see the possibility of where this new economy could go. But at the same time, if it ends up being a giant cluster, I don't, you know, I'm not too uh, keen on on having to rework, relearn a new system that may not 
be as intuitive or or as fun to play as the current tile system. So I'm kind of wait and see right now, to tell you the honest truth. Yeah, I don't blame you. There's, you know, uh, the, the patch history of Stellaris has been hit and miss a little bit. And yeah, until you can actually get to play it and try it out, it's, it's really hard to know. Uh, we're going to move on to terrestrial sci-fi games here for a little bit. And we're going to talk about Age of Wonders Planetfall. Now, last week we talked about Dev Diary number eight, and I just want to go back to that real quick because there's something I sort of skipped over. And the first one was tactical operation points. Essentially, these are like casting points in Age of Wonders 3, right? You got your magic spells, you can do all these casting uh, things with them. Well, for Planetfall, they're breaking it up into two different types of points, tactical points and strategic ops. And with tactical, those are like your combat spells, essentially. Okay, you can call in airstrikes or psi storms, and psi storms sounds really cool. Uh, psychic powers appear to be uh, part of the gameplay here, and I'm excited to see where that goes. And then the strategic ops are um, kind of like world enchantments or perhaps um, spells you would normally cast on the strategic map for the game. So I think that'll add an extra depth of play brought over from Age of Wonders 3, but perhaps a bit more compartmentalized to make it more intuitive for players. And then with Dev Diary number 9, we get a look at a, a bit more at the world map this week. And so one of the things that they're reworking is scan range. And anyone who played Age of Wonders 3 probably has had the experience where you're moving one of your stacks along and you're going through the fog of war and like, you know, you move your guys as far as they can travel in, in a single turn and when they do that they, they get ambushed because there weren't guys on the screen you didn't know where they were and so they suddenly pop up as you move along yep, well the yep, scan yep, range yep. has been reworked for planet fall and so like your buildings are going to have a scan range and so are your units and they'll be able to detect enemy units under the fog of war now in the beginning you're not going to get a lot of information you're just going to know that they're there but as you research your your scans will become more powerful and you'll get more information about those hidden npcs so that's a pretty good idea uh there this dev diary also covers like goody huts and minor factions both those will be in the game uh some of the npc factions some of the miners you'll be able to negotiate with and get them to come on your side then there's going to be others that are just kind of like monsters or pirates that sort of thing that you can't really negotiate with you just have to kill them and those are called marauder bases and mm -hmm. hazards mm -hmm. and uh you know you'll you'll research technology to kind of interact with the miners and then to alleviate those hazards as well so uh quite a bit of interesting information for planetfall this week um not mm. not really deep as far as those dev diaries go but i mean i think the gameplay is going to be a deep as a result right you know what's interesting about this what you're talking about the scan ranges so we have two examples of this being done currently one is a 4x and one is not is a ta tactics combat game so the 4x are the wild walkers in endless legend they could do that as that's one of their special skills. If there's somebody in woodlands, they know that there's somebody there. They can see that there's somebody there. They don't necessarily have the information of what's there, but they can see that there's stuff in the woods, like the trees are telling them. And in the tactics game, you can do this in Battletech where you have a scan range, but if you don't have 
which can improve as a skill. It can increase if you're a scout, for example, or you specialize in scouting. So there's two ways you can identify. One is you see that there's some kind of a mech somewhere, but you can't, you don't have specifics. So either you target them and, and like basically ping them like you would like hit them with a sonar or some GPS or something like that. So it gives you the information, then you lock on them or you get line of sight on them. And then even though you know they're there, but you don't know, once you establish line of sight, then you see. So it's interesting because Battletech is through harebrained schemed, which Paradox uh, acquired or integrated. So I wonder if that's a mechanic that Paradox said, hey, that this is a good mechanic. Maybe you guys should use it. It'll really improve your game, you know? We, of course, we don't know for a fact until somebody says otherwise, but it's an interesting thought to have, no? Yeah, and it's possible that, you know, the guys there at Triumph just played the game and liked it themselves. Yep, yep. So I, I'm sure they have. I'm sure they've played all kinds of games. And, you know, everybody looks at the competition and is like, oh, we like how they did this and we like how they did that. How would we apply such an idea? And then, and, and I know that Amplitude, Triumph, Stardock, uh, Firaxis, everybody, you know, everybody's studios, big and small, you know, they, they look at each other's work, they check out each other's products, Paradox. So anyways, okay, let's, since we're on a terrestrial, leaning towards terrestrial, let me go ahead and uh, give a quick update on Gladi Warhammer 40k, Gladius Relics of War. And this past week, they released um, patch 1.0.8 and this is a, this is actually a pretty big update because there's quite a bit of information so as part of as part of the i guess pre pre-order or um you know if you got it before it came out uh there was a special unit called the lord of skulls and this is a coordinate unit so this is in my opinion kind of hinting at chaos that chaos is coming chaos might quite might be the next major faction, so I'm keeping an eye out for that. But anyways, this unit is really powerful. This is a this is a like a battlefield monster. It's really nasty, and uh, if you encounter it too early, yeah, it's pretty much it can end your game. So they're 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 fixing it up a little bit, you know, polishing it up, making sure that it has the right effects, that it has the right function. Then they're they started um, working on mod support, which is great. So that's another little tidbit there. And as far as balance, lots and lots of balance work for the Space Marines, for the Orcs, for uh, the Imperial Guard, and for the Necrons. Like specific individual units, like pl- adjusting the. Um, so, like for Space Marines, they don't the way they work. The way Space Marines work is they don't use the resources or like food to grow. They have reclamation points. So they're adjusting the costs of reclamation point usage. They've been doing that. They've been going kind of back and forth trying to get it right. Another thing is, is that there's a thing called orbital bombardment. And this is a skill that the captain has when he reaches the right level. And as it stands right now, if you have enough influence, you can just orbital bombard over and over and over, which can make it very, very powerful. This is how you get a unit that's, you see, you see it, but you can't really get anybody to address it. So you can hit it with orbital bombardment. But it's a little too powerful like that. So they're adding a cooldown to it, which makes sense. Now, if you have multiple captains, I don't know if it's individual cooldown, meaning like if all of them are on the same level, each of them can do it because that's what I do, for example. So I've definitely taken advantage. So I'll have to see. I'll have to fire it up and check it out. And other tweaks of that nature. And then there's all kinds of bug fixes, continuous bugs being reported and being addressed. So this is really, really good. I'm I'm happy that 
uh, Proxy Studios is continuing to take the feedback, make improvements. It's important because it shows that they're engaged and it shows that this game is getting support. And I'm hoping that in the near future, they will tell us about what the first uh, faction that's going to be added, because I think that's going to be fantastic. And then we have, let me see what else we have. I guess, uh, I guess we should talk a little bit about Endless Legends. So in the past week, they released Inferno. We talked about it before and we've got to play it. We have a couple of videos up on the channel. So, um, this is the first fix. So this is a patch ba based on feedback, based on bug reporting. So it's patch 1.6.4 and has a lot of fixes in there, like a lot of fixes. And interestingly enough, they're not just fixing um, the Kapaku, which is the new factions. They're actually making adjustments to all versions of the games. So they're fixing bugs that exist. And that was one of the complaints that our, our thread on the forum really popped up. And like a lot of people are talking and people are saying, hey, there's still these bugs from two years ago, a year and a half ago. So they're starting to address some of them. So it'll be interesting to see if the if those people come back and say, oh, you know, yeah, this is fixed. That's really cool or not. You know, no power in that. Just letting people know that there's some fixes in. Then they're fixing the the functionality of Inferno. So one one particular issue that I've noticed, and I mean, I have a pretty powerful PC, though granted, it's almost two years old at this point, so it's not as powerful as it was when I first got it, but it's still pretty solid. And when the dust eclipse kicked on, there could have been some slowdowns, like just between the dust eclipse and the winter and too many units and things happening, you get a little bit of like a frame rate drop. So they're addressing that. So that should be interesting. I, I haven't experienced it to any great degree yet, but I did notice it. So next week, if I'll keep playing and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but I'll report if I have noticed this fix kicking in. There's other fixes as well. Then there's specific fixes that are um, addressing Tempest, which was the last expansion. And then there's another fix putting in for Shifters, which was the expand or DLC before that. So they're definitely going back and addressing some earlier issues. So I hope the people that have been wanting specific things addressed keep talking to them especially on their forums and you know you get a lot more done if you are polite and nice than if you're nasty and beating people on the head because when you do that you know nobody really listens anymore so keep that in mind and maybe you know some of those issues will be addressed and a few more people that were naysayers will become yaysayers right yeah for sure uh next we're going to talk about driftland the magic revival it got a very a small patch this past week um uh essentially like the biggest things is binding key shortcuts is a, a lot easier you're gonna be able to just hold the key button and then click and that'll set it which is really cool uh they added a return to the castle button which puts you back on your previous location um which is really really nice and um you know the the usual uh, fixing of bugs and typos and uh, making things work just a little bit better. So uh, glad to see that. I haven't played Driftland in a little while. Uh, concentrating on a few other games, but uh, good to see it's still getting some updates because I, I think it has some really good potential. I agree, and I hope that we get a little bit more differentiation than just another version of Elves when something else drops. So. Okay, um, so in another game that we haven't heard too much lately, Empires in Ruins, which is a 4X mixed with a tower defense. And um, 
this is uh, so the developer put up a little Q and A addressing some frequently asked questions. Basically, people that they had a they had a closed beta and they took a lot of feedback. They the people helped them find some bugs, identified some issues, which they're addressing. They're, the developers are pretty happy with how the beta turned out. And there were a lot of questions left over, like what's an ideal setup for, for the battle beta or where should I, what should I build first or how do I make more money or which weapons to use and things like that. So it's good. So the developers took this feedback, they put together a little Q and a, we'll have it linked in the notes, not really much in there. If you're not playing the game, you're going to not have the slightest bit of an idea what I'm talking about. So it's better if you just click and take a look at it. Awesome. Uh, very cool. So now we've got a couple of Rome games to talk about. And man, is it, difficult to keep these two things straight so the first one i'm going to talk about is aggressors ancient rome and their latest dev diary focuses on resources and trading and aggressors ancient rome comes with 10 different resources that are in the game and originally they were hard-coded to be in the game but now they've made it a lot more moddable so uh, those who really want to mod games or really enjoy modding games are going to like that. Um, next, it talks about like trading resources and um, you know all the resources in game are tradable. Uh, well, other than it says happiness is not tradable, which you know that makes that makes sense. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. But he talks about how he never liked um, the way technologies and inventions could be traded in the Civilization series, and he uh, says that I couldn't find. A single example in uh, ancient history of trading technology for technology and that's I don't know it depends on how you define that um, you know for instance the ancient Greeks came up with a lot of mathematical theories um, in, in in their heyday and then as uh, Europe was decimated by the um, by the barbarian tribes hundreds of years later the uh, Muslim scholars went to Greece, found these books, translated them into Arabic, and brought them back to their lands and uh, read them, understood them, and expanded on them. And then eventually those Arabic books made their way back to Europe, and European scientists read them, translated them, and expanded on them. So, I mean, that, that took, you know, hundreds of years to do, but still, I, I think that's an example of maybe not technology exactly making its way between civilization but certainly knowledge and certainly scientific knowledge and very you know, true and very and true weapons weapon and armor technology was traded cross-culturally quite a bit in you know from what i understand you know the the romans in particular since we're talking about rome here ad adopted armor and weapons from other cultures and kind of like mashed it all together to come up with uh, a superior fighting force uh, so, you know, I mean, there, there's that also. And then, you know, nowadays we're constantly trading technological uh, ideas. Stealing, I mean, stealing. Well, stealing, yeah, you know, in some cases, stealing. It's a type stealing. of trade. So, it's espionage. It's, it's I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Right. Like it, for me, let me say just for me, it doesn't really matter if you can trade technology or not in a game what what is the game like is the game fun is is uh is it providing me with a good experience you know but perhaps for some people 
like the historical accuracy is important and it may be difficult to simulate like exchange of knowledge over hundreds of years. I, you know, I understand that, but anyway, that's a little nitpick with, mm-hmm. with their dev diary is, you know, in, in ancient times, exchange of knowledge did take place, uh, particularly in art of war technology exchange did take place. Um, I mean, it was, it was almost like osmosis where somebody came up with a new, like, like I'll give you a perfect example. So the Romans did not invent one of their most dominant formations, which was the phalanx. That was, that was established by the Greeks. If, uh, if people actually, if we step away from history a little bit and we talk a little, with creative license, we look at like, for example, movies. Look at like 300. You have the you have the Spartans using the phalanx to fight off a superior force. Well, the truth of what happened wasn't exactly like that, and the outcome was different. It was similar but different. And which which uh, Greek uh, city state did what and when and where again? was very different in the movie than in reality. But the point is, is that this military formation was very, very powerful, incredibly powerful. And the Romans adapted it, and that helped them. That's one of the major things that helped them conquer the Western world and start heading east and south. And then it wasn't just that. There was shipping. They didn't invent ships. Ship, you, shipping of that nature was came from, from the Egyptians. But then they adapted it as well based on what the Greeks did and then the Romans. And, I mean, a lot of what the Romans, like their... their um, uh, their mythology, their pantheon. That's oh, actually that's not, true. Yeah, I didn't even that's think not, about religion. Yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's a good point. That's not just Greek, but that's also Etruscan. That's a lot of people when you say Etruscan. Who, who's Etruscan? Well, that's the thing is that the Etruscans, with the knowledge that they, I don't want to say pilfered, but that osmotically made its way Ad- to them. Adopted, perhaps. Adopted, okay, fine, adopted. That they, that they appropriated. That I think that's a more apt okay. term for, for today, for today's uh, environment, political environment. They appropriated these methods f- from the Greeks, from the Egyptians, and then the Roman culture rose up. But the, the Etruscans were the parents and grandparents of the Romans, essentially. So... Yeah, there, there was. I, I can understand what the developers talking about in aggressors ancient Rome, but the reality of it is, you can't really hide technology. Now, the one exemption, and I think what's interesting is that there was a lot of stuff going on in the east and out in the west. We don't know too much about what's going on in the east. And after the Cultural Revolution in China, a lot of what actually went down was erased, was destroyed, was hidden, was wiped out. But the Chinese were incredibly powerful. And I mean, they had the, they basically had the foundation for gunpowder a thousand years before it was adopted in the West. Oh yeah. Maybe longer. So, Mm -hmm. so they hid that very well. There were many incursions into China. Well, they didn't, they didn't really understand what they had in their, in their culture was predicated on maintaining things the same. So they didn't really innovate on their invention of gunpowder. Right. Uh, but, the, you know, Europeans, they anytime they get a new toy, they think, okay, how can I use this for war? Right. So right. Uh, that, that's kind of what was going on there in that particular case. So but I'm going to move so, on. I'm going to yeah, move go on ahead. to uh, Imperator Rome, which is the paradox title. Um, you can kind of think of this as a, a prequel type game to Crusader Kings 2. And I think that the, de- the developer diary for this week really shows that 
So at first, it covers like government types. Uh, different empires can be given different ranks. So for instance, you might be a city-state or a local power or a major power or a greater power. And in each of those levels, there are various bonuses. So as a city-state, you get a lot of defensive bonuses and commerce bonuses. But as you move up, you get a lot more diplomatic bonuses. And so that tells me that this game is more about managing relationships, which is a lot more like Crusader Kings 2, than it is about um, like exploring a map and making war, kind of like Aggressor's Ancient Rome. So we're getting, we're getting two Rome games here. But I think they're going to be very, very different. Aggressors is um, like a real 4X game. You build your empire, you kill everybody else. Uh, Imperator Rome is more of a grand strategy game where you're engaging in diplomacy and subverting people and making alliances. And speaking of that sort of thing, there's a lot of fun things you can do with war. So if one of your buddies gets in war, you can intervene and join their side as long as you're you know you have good relation with them or you can force a white piece on a nation in a war if you have good relations with their enemies or you can kind of guarantee protection for kind of like a vassal state threaten war if uh you know you you have some negative relations there so all these sorts of things were discussed in this week's update. It was actually pretty light on content. Once again, it seems like all the updates this week were um, just not all that in-depth. But this tells me that, you know, if you enjoy Europa Universalis and Crusader Kings, you're probably going to get a, a, a good time out of Imperator Rome. Nice. I mean, it's it feels like it's a refresh of their previous Rome games yeah. with the new mechanics that they have developed. So it, it should be very interesting. Now... Moving on to the next item, we're moving away from um, history, ancient times, and we're moving into fantasy realm. So this week, this is an unofficial update for Total War Warhammer 2. So in the last couple of weeks, we haven't really covered. There's not been much information out there. But one of the things that came out, people were very much worried, like, what's going on? You used to have a lot more updates for Total War Warhammer 1. Why did you slow down for Warhammer 2? Why did the Norska take so long? So the devs basically said, okay, we're going to do an AMA on Reddit. Ask us questions. We will answer it. And usually... AMAs can be either amazing if the focus is maintained or completely disjointed and all over the place. Well, as as anybody that's ever posted or spent any time on Reddit, even the most organized thing can be disorganized. So when somebody goes in and takes a very sprawling and massive AMA and turns it into a, a document where everything is organized, that's amazing. And that's what basically I'm talking about now. So they had an AMA and the, the, the it began with what's, what's coming in the next DLC, what's happening with the old world, what's happening with moral campaigns. And there's, this is, this thing is huge. If we were just to focus on this AMA and the organized questions in here and like how they're sorted, and then I got to nerd out based on my knowledge of Warhammer lore and, you know, Warhammer fantasy and whatnot, be, be the books or the tabletop or whatever. We could do like five or six shows that are probably two hours apiece and still have lots of stuff left over. So I won't do that, but I'll focus on a few things that I found interesting. And what that is, is it actually, it's actually one of the first few items. So the first thing that the developer is saying that, hey, guys, relax. We're taking more time to release content because the engine is different than it was in Total War we, Warhammer 1. We've improved it. That's why Norska took so long. But take a look at how well it plays now. 
we've in the process we made changes to the main campaign we made to the vortex campaign we made changes to the mortal empires campaign we're we've adjusted the dwarves look at this adjustment for the dwarves well what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going back and and this is going to be so if you don't own total war warhammer 2 obviously you won't be able to use this because this is being done in total war warhammer 2 but what they're doing is they're going to go back and they're going to adjust the chaos horde and the invasion they're going to adjust the wood elves and they're going to basically look back at the factions from the first game start modifying them to work better in the second game with all these new tools and that's awesome because that's that's usually a fear that somebody has myself included lots of people actually have it that when the company the developers move on to the next game into the next game stuff gets left behind well they're like look we initially had said that we're going to release a game a year and people like why why do i do so you know at this point they slowed it down and they're going to focus on total war warhammer 2 they're going to make a lot of changes a lot of fixes and then when they move on to three they're going to hopefully have the engine where it needs to be so when they introduce all the new factions and the new storyline and what happens which if you follow the lore is probably the my guess is warhammer total war warhammer 3 is going to be end times so which is what the vortex is about which is it's it's going to be amazing and the link to this um, modified reddit ama is here Please, if you are a fan, click on it, look through it. If you see something interesting and you want to talk to us about it, hit us up on the notes in the comments for the weekly exchange or maybe on the website. There's so much information here. It's it's crazy, and I'm very happy to see this. I'm glad that the developers went on air and said this because there's been a lot of anguish from our community members, from others. They're like, what's going on? You know, what did Creative Assembly do? Did we get screwed with this? And I don't think so. I think that they are doing something that needs to be done because Sega has had a couple of misfires, the, the various companies that are under the Sega banner, and Creative Assembly is like, no, no, we're going to get this. We're going to do this right. And I'm, I'm glad. I'm very happy to read this because... Because it's it's a fantastic game that has amazing lore, and it's great that they're going to do credit to it. Now, moving on to something else that I'm excited about is Phoenix Point. So I've been talking about Phoenix Point lately a bunch, and this past week they released another update, and they're show so they're showing more of the graphics of the game. And I highly recommend you click on the link because what you're going to see there is just going to make you go, oh my god if you were not excited for it before if i could not convince you that this is going to be the next it game this might be what this might be the real true sequel to XCOM is julian gallup wanted even though it's not it's a different story but this is what he wanted to do back in the day 25 years ago and he's finally getting a chance to do it and i know that the fraxis guys you know the jake solomon and the rest of the guys that they're looking at this and they're like oh wow this is awesome and it is they're showing the faction differentiation between the the different factions between the classes they're the alternatives to you know loadouts to how they're going to look and i'm just looking at this and this is like eye candy and i'm i'm melting i'm <laughs> i'm going to stop because i'm going to say something inappropriate in a minute so it looks awesome gonna, it, 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 like, it, it really does doesn't it it just makes it makes you go like hot damn this is this is going to be a time sink in the best possible way and in slightly different news the previous game that they released is called Chaos Reborn, which is a remake of an original game from back in the day, made back in the day. And we wrote it up. Uh, this was 
the first multiplayer that I did in a very long time, I did it with Rob and I beat him in the last second zinger. <laughs> we were talking about it for quite a bit. It was a lot of fun. And of course now he's like, let's play again. I'm like, nope, I beat you. I'm the winner. He's like, come on, give me another chance. <laughs> nope. I have won. I am the champion. I'm one and done. And that's it. <laughs> that's how I do. That's why I don't play multiplayer because I'm, I'm way too competitive for that. And um, anyways, so uh, they're releasing it for the iOS, basically for the, for the Apple's um, ecosystem iPhones, iPads, things like that. And I think the game is going to be perfect for that. This is a game that you you definitely can, you know, it's it's turn-based. There's no rush to get the turn off as fast. And it's I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to be picking it up. I enjoyed the game on the PC. And I think I'm going to enjoy it here, though. The randomness, the, that's XCOM Baby, plays a huge role in here. So, you know, buyer beware. If you do not like the random die rolls, this, <laughs> stay away. All right, very cool. So this week we also got a small update for Frostpunk, and I think the biggest things that you would notice from this update is first, you can rename characters and automatons, which a lot of people like, and, you know, in the city builder arena, you know, being able to rename everything is kind of a thing that people really enjoy. So that's big change, number one. Number two is they've added new visuals or reworked old visuals for a lot of things like airships, huts, gathering posts, outposts, all that sort of thing has been reworked. And then also, and I think this is probably the one that people will uh, like the most, is that the building grid has been revamped. So now it's easier to fit an optimal number of buildings within an area. And I know, you know, I, I haven't played Frostpunk personally, but I know in these types of games, like... You want to use your space optimally. And so now they've reworked the the grid so you can do that at least a little bit easier. So that's a good thing. And then also a lot of bug fixes and a whole lot of optimization. They probably mentioned the optimization like three times in this one update. So they must have done a lot to it. So uh, Frostpunk got you know kind of a minor update. And uh, it's looking really good. A lot of people are playing it and enjoying it, having a good time. Very good. And then um, why don't you also tell us a little bit about Star Control? Oh, yeah. Star Control is coming out at the end of September. And uh, this week's, what are they calling this? It's kind of like a dev diary. um, I think they call them preludes or something like that. This week they're talking about uh, the visual design of all the ships. And we know how much Brad Wardell enjoys his shipbuilders. So in this update... There's about 30,000 pictures. I might be exaggerating just a tab, but not by much, but about 30,000 pictures of all the different ships and like the concept art for the ships and how they were going to look and shoot their missiles and weapons and all these things and extra parts you could put on them. And hey, look, here's what a scribe looks like in like just tons and tons of ships and ships and ships and ships. So it's mainly, I mean, like I didn't find necessarily anything substantive in this update about mechanics or balances or like how far along they are on the quests and the campaigns it's mainly how did we arrive at the ship designs for all our different factions and i mean i will have to admit that despite the cartoonish art which is not normally my thing these ships look very detailed very good um like the the designers and then the artists as well 
put in a lot of effort in these, and I think that's going to keep the game really fresh for people because there's, I mean, there's, I don't, I don't know here, three dozen different looking ships that you're going to get to see and explore in the game, and like that, that to me keeps a game like this really fresh and interesting. So there you go, folks. A lot of cool spaceships coming in Star Control, and all you have to do is wait about another month and a half, and it'll be out. So I actually got to play it, and we're going oh, to have cool. a preview up for it soon. So I'll talk more about my impressions uh, in a little bit. And uh, let me... <laughs> so uh, this week, it's it's an interesting game that, in the what is. So the game is Octung Cthulhu Tactics. and uh, Best title ever. Right? So that, that means attention. And then... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that, and that's all it means. No connotations there with that word. Very good. Not, not at all. Not at all. I'm just going by. I'm just going by. You know, I, I'm not going to let that uh, ruin my mood. Anyway. So this is this is a World War II based game, like an alternate Earth. And what you and one of the things that uh, the Nazis were trying to do is they were going after. They were pursuing the occult. And uh, if your listener, I'm assuming that dear listener remembers the. You know, Indiana Jones movies, Indiana Jones movies. So this is basically uh, a Cthulhu-inspired World War II squad-based tactics game. <laughs> Does, yeah. <laughs> have you guys hilarious. seen the screenshots for this thing? Of course. No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. Well, I hope that I hope everybody you know checks the patch notes uh, for the actual podcast and checks it out because it's it. Uh, okay, I'm looking it, now. That yeah. that it is looks just like a gem. Much. It's 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 hey look you know there's I I had said this before I'm repeating now this this time around there are a lot of tactics games coming and it would be very boring if every game was like oh look it's another XCOM game oh it's an XCOM game oh well fine it's this so there's different studios that are trying different things so the last game that these this dev team made I believe is Hard West which was we covered it. We liked. I was it. Was it Hard West? No. Um, well, they did. Like people might remember them from Last Days of Old Earth, which was their attempt at a four X. Oh, right. Hard West is the other other text. I'll be talking about that next time around. Yeah. Their, but yeah, so their last game, I think, was a game called Ogre, and I don't know anything about it. But yeah, as far as four X fans go, like I don't know the the two dozen people that bought Last Days of Old Earth, uh, they probably remember it from that. I'm checking right now. Uh, yep, you're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Uh, yes. Anyways, it's really cool. It's potentially going to be something that's that's going to be for some people like, whoa, that's weird. But for others, it's going to be like, okay, that's cool. I'll definitely be checking it out. So check it out. Click on the link. See what, you know, let us know what you think of it. I mean, that's the whole point of us talking about these games that are out of left field because not too many other places are talking about them, and that's a shame. 
Lots Cthulhu of innovation. Nazis are way out of the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope the gameplay is good because it looks like hot garbage, man. No, no offense, but oh no, come on, Mark, don't say that. Okay, I'm like, if we were all to go back in time to '99, I'm pretty sure we'd all sing its praises. But I'm looking at this thing going, come on now. I mean, if you look at Ogre too, right? It literally looks like Monopoly pieces on a map. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't say much good about. So whatever. Last Days of Old Earth. Oh, Last Days of Old Earth would have been a great game if they had actually put content in it, but they didn't, so it wasn't very good. All right. Uh, Mark, I see you got something coming up. What do you want to talk about? Speaking of hot garbage, Fallout 76 is not coming to Steam. Why not? Uh, they, uh, who cares, honestly? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Why, why would Bethesda make an online shooter Rust clone called Fallout 76 uh, to begin with is beyond me. Uh, I don't understand this move at all. It uh, it seriously looks like they just looked at um, uh, Fortnite and Rust and thought, cool, let's put power armor there and milk our fan base right to death. But uh, this is not what the article is about. The article is about them not choosing not to go to Steam for at least the beta and the initial launch, it sounds like. It's kind of um, details have been kind of sparse. But uh, it sounds like they're kind of trying to push everybody to Bethesda Net, their own launching service that they currently have. So that's kind of the deal there. It sounds like it's going to be all doom and gloom. But if I remember correctly, and maybe the the fans will, the community will correct me, but I don't believe that Elder Scrolls Online launched on Steam until they dropped their subscription model and made it pay to play. So this isn't is this isn't unheard of for Bethesda wanting to kind of control their IP when it comes to this kind of thing. So the the article in general is just kind of just talking about how they're deciding to have the beta off of Steam and trying to push everybody to uh, Bethesda Net. So that's kind of what they're going with that direction. I'm I don't know. I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Bethesda in the first place. I don't particularly like the games. I know. I know. I'm well. There goes all sacrilege. Our subs. I know. You. I know. Right. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I wasn't a fan. I'm not a fan. And them doing this doesn't impact me. But it's interesting because maybe it'll make Valve take notice that other developers, major, big, I mean, Bethesda is not a small studio. And they have very loyal and huge following. So maybe they'll be like, okay. I mean, this this is going to lead me into the next item. So it's a perfect transition. So as part of that, I will discuss this further. So do you remember last week I was talking about how there there's this new thing going where games are being uh, injected with code that in turn gives the developers access to your processing power and they start bit mining cryptocurrency? Yeah. Well, another game has slipped by that valve has noticed and i suspect there's a lot more than just one or two a lot of these garbage games that i had mentioned before and this is a garbage game are doing that and it's just another way to destroy the trust of the players with the platform because the platform holder valve is refusing to curate their marketplace this is the most important thing they need to do right now, more important than anything else. Instead of, which is actually the next news item, but I'll mention that when it gets to that. So by them not curating their marketplace, by them not doing, so 
what was it like maybe two years ago they stopped doing the flash sales and they moved away from a lot of the things they were doing with the summer sales because developers like oh we're not selling as much we're losing money so valve's like okay we're going to change it and then you know we're going to reduce the sales so people will be buying your games at 20 percent discount instead of waiting for the flash sale 70 percent or whatever and they moved away from that and as part of moving away uh, they're like, we're going to make a lot more money for you guys. But then they got rid of the green light programs. So now they let everybody on. Basically, here's a hundred bucks. You can be you can be a developer. We don't care what you're releasing, except if it's a porn game or or something that's, you know, sexually suggestive. Then, oh, hammers down when it's stuff that when it's, you know, virus infected games, they don't seem to be bothered unless the community reacts to it. If it's if it's, uh, you know. Uh, gray market stuff and reselling of uh, trading cards and stuff. They don't care about that. If it's people selling this, they don't care as long as it doesn't affect their bottom line. Well, this will affect their bottom line. And I suspect a lot of the smaller developers moving to the Nintendo platform and making the Nindies for the Switch is going to affect their bottom line. And they're going to have to look and really consider the, how important it is to moderate their greater forms, to uh, curate their games, can't relay, relay on, rely on the community to curate everything. We try our best, but, you know, we're not 200 people that are doing it. And with so many games coming on, you need a lot of people and they can afford to do this. And that, of course, leads to the next thing. So a while ago, um, they stepped on Discord. And Discord is the service where it's kind of like Skype for gamers. So while you're playing, you can be on Discord chatting with people like a group chat or texting or typing. And then developers are moving there and creating channels for people to communicate with them directly. So... So Valve started doing some of the features that Discord has started to copy them. And like the new messenger on Steam that we recently spoke about is almost like a lift from what Discord has. And they did the same thing with Twitch. They were doing it with YouTube. So, you know, they're, they're kind of stepping in a lot of toes. And now Discord is like, uh-uh. So Discord is going to compete directly with Valve by creating their own platform where people can buy digital games and play on Discord. Yeah, so, that'll be really good, especially if they're kind of picky in the way that GOG, good old games, is picky. Yep. Um, because GOG's biggest problem is it doesn't have the social media features yes. that Steam does. Yep. Well, Discord has those social media features like better than either one, in my opinion. Yep, yep. Uh, so if it can be... If it adopts, in fact, you know what, GOG and Discord should just merge. They should just merge. Yeah, good idea. That's a good idea. If, if those two, I'll, but I'll, I mean, GOG is owned by uh, CD Projekt, so like that that's a really big company. But if you could put those two services together, then you'd have something that could really compete against Valve. And then Valve would be in serious trouble. I mean, you have Battle.net. You have EA Merchant. Yeah. No, no, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just hear me out. You have Battle.net. You have EA, the Electronic Arts Origin store. You have Ubisoft's, uh, what's it called? Um, you Don't Play. You, yeah, you don't play. <laughs> you have Bethesda, right? So that's four. Then you have the individual marketplaces for the PS4, for the Xbox, for the Switch. So Nintendo, Microsoft, and Sony. And then you also have um, Amazon Prime, right? And all of them combined are as powerful as maybe Steam is, if all of them work together, maybe. 
But if you say if 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 Gog, because good old games is just a horrible name, I guess. So Gog is much better. If Gog and the squad merge, like you said, that would be a on Battle.net. If they merge together, that that could be very interesting. That could be very interesting. And um, that, of course, leads us to the next news item, which we're going to be probably in September creating our own Discord channel. And oh, uh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> hey, man. All those old keeps... guys trying to figure out this new stuff. Like, I have a Discord channel with my World of Tanks clan. It's like a bunch of high school guys and me. Everybody keeps asking. In my Every... 40s. <laughs> Everybody keeps asking. Can, so it's can like, you imagine? You know can you imagine tragic uh, from our forms? Oh man! <laughs> I, I, tragic and Oliver in there at the same time. Oh man, that would be that's worth the price of admission. Yep. yep. And and now we'll have a disclaimer on Discord that profanity <laughs> is allowed as long as it's not directed at anybody. And then I can actually start communicating there. People are going to be like, oh my God, Nate, what is that potty mouth about? And it's like, hey, you didn't know my secret, my dirty, dirty secret. I'm very profane when I'm not at work or at home. This so one of many of Nate's dirty secrets that shh, you guys don't he, know about. Shh, don't talk about the other ones. We're just talking about this one. Gross. So we're going to be doing that and... Okay, Mark, we're, we're going to air out some of your dirty secrets, too. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. No, I've got no shame, man. I, I, I've worn Remember, women's underwear clean, as, as a joke, man. This, I, don't, I can't hurt my feelings. Weekly Exchange is a clean show. Remember that. So, anyway, so we're going to be doing a Discord channel, and we're going to be trying Mixer, which is an alternative to Twitch, which is better than YouTube streaming by, like, hand a whole magnitude. Yeah, let's you know, I'm all for that. Let's give some of these other uh, social media companies a try cuz because... I'm really sick of the ones we got. Yep, so we're going to check out Well, Mixer is like Twitch, but unlike Twitch, when so for example, so Dallin has an account and Ben, aka Warmag Blue or Old Ben, they have accounts and when they do multiplayer games, when they're synced up correctly, you can actually watch both of them playing. Oh, so cool. instead of opening two oh, individual wow. Twitch channels to try and watch something going on between different people. Like when you open multiple Twitch windows, good God, you get problems. But here, once we got to figure, I think we did it last a week ago, two weeks ago, we did it. And I think it was a week ago. I think it was last Tuesday when they did it. Um, I was on with them for maybe 30, 40 minutes and we got it kind of, they were playing and there were not too many people there. Nobody really knows. We haven't been advertising it, but it is, we do have it. We are trying it. And they were playing Endless Legend and I can watch what Ben was doing, I could watch what Alan were doing. It was simultaneous. It's like, it's not like, you know, when they're playing on Twitch and you only see one screen and you're like, wait, what's the other guy doing? Wait, why is this happening? Here you could see and you're like, oh, that makes sense. So we'll we'll be trying that. So yeah, in the cool. near future, in the next couple of months, be prepared for us adding a couple of more things that we're trying. I don't know how we're going to manage all this stuff. We're all slammed. But we're going to do our best anyways to try and keep up with the times because, you know, we don't want to get passed by. We don't want to be like the ones who are still typing on the typewriter, sending snail mail to some person to put it up online because that's what it feels like sometimes. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about games we're playing. And I say we start with Mark. Mark, what have you been playing this last week? I got a chance to play Dead Cells, which is that Metroidvania uh, roguelike type game. Uh, I just posted wow. a video on our YouTube channel. Yeah, it was a good vid. 
Oh, thanks. Um, I had a t- I'm having a ton of fun with it. I know, you know typically we like to do four extra strategy games, and I kind of mentioned this in the video. But uh, sometimes when you get a game kind of tossed in your lap uh, that's outside of the genre, we typically you know try to promote. Uh, but it's so well done that you want to kind of just say, hey, you know, are you interested in playing something maybe outside of your comfort level? Give this game a shot because it's I think it's top fleet. So it's uh, it's punishing, but it's um, it's rewarding and I'm really enjoying it. So that's on my list. And I was going to try to jump in a little bit into Stellaris, but I was kind of telling Nate, um, you know, before we started the show, but I'm having a really hard time um you know, getting my wings or, or finding any motivation to kind of play Stellaris lately, not only because I know that this new economic patch is coming, but um, 2.0 just kind of, uh, it, it didn't uh, it didn't launch nearly as hot as I thought it was going to. And uh, I just find myself kind of a little bit drawn back and kind of uh, not as excited to play Stellaris as I once was. So I'm kind of hoping that um, I'll jump into it, maybe try some heavy-duty mods that are currently on the market that I typically don't play, and and kind of go that direction. How about uh, how about you, Troy? What are you playing these days? Well, this week I got to play. Well, of course, World of Tanks Blitz, and uh, I finally finished grinding out all the tier one through six tanks that are going to get turned into premium tanks, um, and that was a real pain. And I really hate playing the lower tiers, but I mean, I'll take free premium tanks anytime. So I finished that up. And then I played some At The Gates. Nate, did you get to play At The Gates this week? I did for a split second. And I was actually going to I was gonna ask you if we can push this next discussion to the next show. Because I want to I put in at least two or three hours, if not more. And... Yeah, that's fine with me. Like, I ran into a bug, and my game kept crashing. Oh, that so, sucks. Like, if, if you yeah, tell me what, what it is, wrong. if you tell me what it is, I'll let John know. So that's actually the other thing. So some of the – remember how last week I said some of the mechanics that he's introducing remind me a lot of Thea? Yeah, that's definitely the direction he should go. For sure. So I, I've been trying to get him to check out Thea for maybe two years now. And finally, mm-hmm. he's like, okay, you know what? You've been on me about this. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it. And then I'll let you know what I think. So what I want to do is next week, I want to talk with him and ask him what his impressions were th- of Thea were. And then I want to discuss with you our impressions. And then if, you know, once we're done, if you just let me know what bug you came up with, I'll let him know and see. Yeah, I'll see if I can replicate the- it. Yeah, what the deal with that was, whether it was just an accident or actual, you know, reproducible bug. So I played a little bit. I, I'm liking what I'm seeing, but I didn't play enough to form any impressions. Or definitely nothing nothing where I can test th- these new gameplay mechanics, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I played it for a few hours. Um, you know, I got further than I had the last time I played. You know, my whole settlement, settlement didn't starve and die. Oh, that's is, always good. Is, yeah, which is definitely a, a step forward. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, we'll save it for next time. So what okay. have you played this last week? So the reason that... So earlier in the week, I was playing um, Endless Legend, the Inferno, the full release version of the Kapaku, or Kapaku. I was also playing uh, Endless Space 2 with the His Show. Just, I 100%ed the game before, and I want to 100% Endless Space 2 because they added some new achievements. So I started playing it. But then towards the middle of the week, was it the middle? Yeah, right around the middle of the week, Brad Wardell reached out and he's like, hey, Nate, you want to try Star Control Origins? 
I'm like, well, I have the, you know, the battle beta. And he's like, no, 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 not the ship battle one. No, no, the, the game itself. I'm like, yeah, of course. So he gave me the access I needed to fire it up. And I've been playing it some. And then, of course, they did such a good job with recreating the spirit and the humor of the of mostly the second game because the third game was much closer to a 4x than it was to a strategy or an rpg as how brad describes it and and i see where he's coming from with that so they got the humor that they were shooting for with sorcerer king remember how he was talking about oh we hired a this really good writer and there's going to be so much humor in the game. There was a lot of humor, but to me, I didn't find a lot of it funny. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'm on the same page as you. I like, I was just, it was cringy. There there were jokes there. I funny humor. Right. There were like jokes there. I saw them and I can, and seeing them, I'm like, I'm certain that there are people out there that find this hilarious. I'm just not one of them. Yeah. Now the humor for star control origins is different than that humor. And this one landed just right with me, where I'm like, I'm being thrown back to what it, what I felt like the first time I played it back in the day. And I'm like, okay, they got it. They, they really got it. So my impression so far of the game, and um, Joshua also got a key. So he wrote up a preview, which might or might not be up by the time you hear the show, but will definitely be up by the next weekly show. So... It'll either be up or not. There's a surprise coming, which I'll tell you guys about in a second. But if it isn't up, it'll be up a week later. But it will be coming soon. It's our preview for that. We will not be discussing the any spoilery stuff. We're not we're not going to be touching the lore. Just the gameplay itself, and it, at least his experience. But in my experience, I enjoyed the combat. It's definitely like what it, I remember. This is I played it now, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I remember this. Only difference is. I'm not as nimble as I used to be. I'm not as good. So I'm getting stomped left and right. And Brad's like, mm, you might want to turn down the difficulty. I'm like, no, I refuse. So I'm kind of stuck at this point where I cannot beat who I'm supposed to beat. But I'm having fun trying. And the sh- the art does not turn me off. I've heard some people and I've read some people saying, oh, this is too cartoony. But then the thing is, if you played the original two star controls and even... Star Control 3, the one that shall not be named, you know, the one that everybody hates. That Each one of them was cartoony to one degree or another. So they, they really did a good job with the art. They did a good job. There's good voiceovers. There's funny dialogue. There's it's. I didn't have any bugs. I didn't have any crashes. I didn't have anything weird happen to me. I didn't have any, you know, anything affecting the graphics. It's, it was good. I enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully you guys will get to read the preview soon. So, okay. And now the last bit of news... At the time that you hear this, we would already have up a giveaway, and this is going to be for a couple of keys. This is called the Infernal, Infernal, uh, Infernal, uh, I can't pronounce this. Inferno? Inferno? No, in, no Infernally Supreme Giveaway. <laughs> I was trying to All pronounce right. that. It was, oh, my God. Well, it's too late at night. I'm tired. Okay. I had a very busy weekend. It is very late. I'm tired. Forgive me. But basically, this is a couple of keys for Endless Legend Inferno and for Endless Space 2 Supremacy. So if you had not picked up your copy from the sale, we gave enough time. Should people want to buy? So it's not, you know, right on the tail end of that. We got a couple of keys for you guys. The 
uh, giveaway is going to be up on the website. So check it out. If you already haven't entered, please enter. You know how we do this. It's not difficult. It's very easy to get your name in there and try to get yourself a key. And it's both both those expansional Cs or DLC expansions or whatever. They're both really good and they both add a lot to the game, in my opinion. And this is Furnace Legend. That's almost two years after they finished, a year and a half to two years after they finished developing it, they add another one, which it's awesome. And I've been playing it and I've been enjoying it. And uh, yeah, some battle tech also. And I'm continuing. To, I mean, that's my XCOM 2 substitute right now as I wait for Phoenix Point to drop. So that's that's what I've been playing. And with that, I think it's time to wrap this up. So, Mark, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. And our patrons, thank you very much for supporting us. We could not do this without you. We really appreciate all your support. Seriously, you guys and gals, you're awesome. So thank you so much. And um, I hope more of you support us because we got some cool things coming and some of the Explorinators could use some new equipment, especially for podcasting. So that's what we're going to be using this money that you guys are giving to us, that you guys are patronizing us with in a good way is going to go to upgrade some of the sound equipment for some of the guys. So thank you very much. And uh, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, we'd like to thank everyone for joining us this week. It was really good to have you. This has been Troy, Mark, and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye. We'll